Kia ora and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. And I'm William Chan. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. This month we are discussing Megan, which came out, I believe, the end of last year, mm-hmm. start of this year, depending mm-hmm. on which region you were in, and Housebound, which came out in 2013. Is that correct? I thought it was 2014. 14. Yeah, 2014. I was, at, I was working at the Embassy Theatre, so it was the year before I moved to Auckland. So mm. yes, 2014. Thank mm. you. The connection being they are both directed by the wonderful New Zealand director... Gerard Johnston. Thank you, because I forgot his name. <laughs> Gerard Johnston. Uh, and also kind of dabble in comedy and horror. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Well, uh, Sarah, do you want to give us a bit of a summary of Housebound 2014? Absolutely. I remember seeing this in the New Zealand International Film Festival in uh, 2014 in the Civic Theatre, sitting upstairs and laughing like a drain. Um, Housebound is a wonderfully New Zealand story with our wonderfully grumpy, surly protagonist, Um, A young woman played by the fantastic Morgana O'Reilly. She has committed a not-so-petty crime and uh, is on home detention for eight months. She's been sent home to live with her mum, played by Rima Te Wiata, with whom she doesn't really get along. Um, And this grumpy sort of goth child lives with her mum in this big house um, that they suddenly start to realise is probably haunted. Um, but the twist in, the, in this wonderful story is that rather than it be t- turning into a horror film with everyone running around being frightened, Bolshi, um, Bolshi criminal uh, daughter decides that actually she's just not going to take it and she's going to smash it in the face. Nice. Excellent. And William, give us a bit of an overview of, of Megan or me Megan. Yeah, Megan, where the E is a three, backwards, mm. uh, is the latest uh, brainchild from writer Akila Cooper, who, did you guys see Malignant? No, interesting no, but I heard movie. A lot about it's it. also has some crazy twists. Um, so, yep, produced by Jason Bloom on Bloomhouse and James Wan as well. Uh, directed by Gerard Johnstone, featuring a killer doll. I mean, it's killer dolls meets high tech learning algorithms. Mm. So, Alison Williams plays a, a toy inventor or toy engineer named Gemma. And she is working on a the perfect toy, the perfect toy for her uh, niece mm-hmm. in her charge. And the toy just happens to be a doll that learns, but learns more than is expected. Nice, excellent. Uh, we will be talking about both films with spoilers, and there's some really great surprises. I think especially in Housebound, there's a lot of surprises that you want to experience for the first time. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't seen either film, I suggest pausing this episode and coming back to it at a future date. But I also want to talk about something a little bit special for us. We've been running Cinema in Context now for six years, seven years. 2016 wow. we started, eh? Feels like forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think seven years, yeah. and it's been uh, been a wonderful time. I, I tell people now, I'm like, you know, my friends Sarah and William, I still find things to talk about, you know, with movies, and it's, it's sort of continued um, how it started. Really, it's how this this podcast started was was us talking. But what am I going on about? We've set up a Patreon, a Patreon um, profile, a Patreon account, which, if you don't know, dear listeners, is a way that you can contribute financially to our podcast. Uh, and also gain access to some pretty special perks and 
and extra content. content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we do this for the love of it. It's not a money-making venture for us, but we would love to be able to engage with our audience a little bit more. And so this is one of the ways that we're, we're going to be jumping into that. Uh, those, those of you that sign up to Patreon will get special extended episodes like this one here. There'll be some extra stuff at the end. Uh, exclusive mini-sodes like um, our Oscar chats, which we're going to be recording today and later on this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you would like, you can join us for some one-on-one discussions about films you love. Uh, we had a great film, a great episode last year, the films that made us, mm-hmm. the movies that made us, Yes, with um, wonderful Dan, which would be great to talk to some of our our fans uh, in a similar capacity. Mm. Anything to say about Patreon? Um, yeah, I, I love Patreon. I have um, Patreon subscriptions to some of my favorite podcasts, and I think it's a it's a cool step forward that we're making, um, just to, to have more things to say, because we always have more things to say, and mm. to, to kind of share that on the platform, uh, really neat. I just been thinking back to our Game of Thrones episode, where um, we recorded for, I think, an hour with seven <laughs> people around my dinner table, <laughs> and I provided wine, but nobody drank the red wine. I drank the red wine mm. and we finished the episode and then we talked for a further two hours unrecorded. Mm. I was quite happy and I just got, got a little bit gremlin and just kept prodding the conversation to wind it up more and more. Yeah. And I wish I'd recorded that. Yeah. And that would have been great Patreon content. Yes, it would. But alas, that conversation is now gone to the winds. Yeah. Uh, you can still listen to the Game of Thrones episode, of course, mm. back from 20... 2018, 2019, 19, yes. 19. When all, all dreams were crushed <laughs> <Yeah>. until, the, <laughs> until the pandemic. Talking about pandemic and being locked down, should we jump in with Housebound? Sure. And right. stuck in a house, eight months. Felt very novel, I guess, at the time when this film came it, out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I remember when the film came out that I uh, my review cited Cabin in the Woods as being um, uh, an exemplar, perhaps, for taking a genre and uh, smashing it in the face, to use Kylie, the, the protagonist's um, words, because I feel as though, I mean, obviously, comedy is an intrinsic part of horror. But as I mentioned in the, the, the sort of the, um, the precy of the film, it... Housebound isn't massively scary. There are a couple of jump scary moments, but it isn't a horror in the malignant, in the the, the latter sort of, uh, the latter era, James Wan kind of um, Blumhouse way. And it was enormously enjoyable to ha- to see the tropes um, made a bit of a mockery of, as well as just having Rima Tawieta's mother character, who to me, I mean, oh my gosh, I grew up with her on the telly as one of New Zealand's, if not New Zealand's preeminent comedic actresses, and she's absolutely hilarious. And so lightening the tone every now and then means that you can't get super scared about what's going on you know mm-hmm. i just thoroughly thoroughly loved housebound when it first came out it wasn't a perfect film it was a four stars for me but it just felt a little bit fresh and a bit innovative and also having this stroppy as i keep saying goth because that's my era you know pre-emo kind of protagonist who's all just like oh <laughs> about everything this is dumb you know was just super fun mm. <laughs> Yeah, I loved Housebound when it came out. I still have my top 10 list from, from back then. Mm. Um, and this was definitely on it. I had watched it uh, on a streamer uh, back when I was living in the States. And mm. it was just such a blast of of energy, yes, really. Yes. Of, of this, this very, very Kiwi, very, very down-to-earth take at a horror comedy. And I, I think one of the, the best things it has going for it is 
you say, Sarah, that it, it's not super scary, but I think it also takes the horror seriously. Mm. Like, like there is, there's no winking. Well, actually, mm. there, there's a little bit of winking, but most of the horror elements are taken at face value. Mm. And one of the beauties of how the story plays out is that it keeps you, the audience, on your toes because mm. it keeps changing yes. the genre in very, very minor and almost imperceptible ways. Mm. So by the time you reach the end of it to its bravura ending, it's like, oh, we've come a we've long, been long everywhere. way. Yeah, yeah, it does. It runs you around the houses, doesn't it? starts yeah. off as something uh, almost like poltergeist yeah. and, and ends up with maybe a slasher, maybe not. Mm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great twists. And I just think the confidence... In, in which uh, Gerard Johnstone and the, the creators have, have conducted the changes in tone. That's true. And the progression of both the characterizations and the plot is amazing for a debut feature. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my goodness. It's very accomplished. That's how we got the job on Megan, was that they mm. wanted someone who could confidently traverse that comedy horror balance. Mm. And it's so glorious to see in Housebound. I remember sitting in the theatre, I was at the Embassy Theatre, one of their little theatres downstairs, and it was a mostly kind of middle-aged audience uh, sort of with their wines and, you know, film festival oh. crowd, because mm, mm, that's mm. what the, the embassy sort of attracts generally. And it was such a wild ride. I remember the film ending and there was this uh, sort of maybe 50-year-old woman next to me and she just goes, oh my gosh, I can breathe again. Because yeah. the, the tension was <laughs> yes. so strong. Yeah. And I remember going into the movie thinking, oh, yeah, haunted house film, I'll have a good time. And when the reveal happens that there is a man living in the walls and we don't yet know that he is benign, mm -hmm. we think that he's the, the murderer, that terrified me. Yeah. I, I, that it hit me so hard. The thought of somebody being in my house without me knowing yeah. is such a, 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 a deep fear to the point, and I think I've told both of you the story, where in my previous house there was what turned out to be, this is the twist in my story, a possum in the roof. Oh. But I thought it was a person in the, in the roof. And my flatmate came home when I was trying to see how this person got into our roof cavity. And I said, I think there's someone living in our roof. And he said, I heard them walking around at five o'clock this morning. I said, like, well, that settles it. I called the police. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. I, I mean, I was watching a season of American Horror Story at the time that did well. ghouls in the walls. <laughs> but I do think Housebound was the germ of that fear. Yes. Like, oh, my gosh, this could be a real thing. Someone could be living in the... Which, actually, there are there are stories from yeah. places overseas with people living in the, in the like... Um, air conditioning cavity of their house sure, and sure. crawling out at night and eating their food. I mean, sure. Parasite was all about this. Oh That's my true. gosh, Parasite. True. Yeah. It's a terrifying prospect. And actually, you're right that Housebound does treat that seriously because that the, the, the moment when um, Kylie is sort of in that weird sort of cavity and she's peeked through and she's seen Eugene sitting at his computer or whatever... Uh, and then she she plonks back and we're, we're looking at her front on and she is trying really hard to breathe quietly. Mm -hmm. I viscerally was like, you're going to have to be a lot quieter than that. And I remember that my I put, I might put my whole body back from the, the you know what I mean? When you're mm -hmm. sitting on the sofa and you lean back away from it. So you're right. It treats it seriously. You're not there just going, oh, lol. Yeah. You know. And, and that's a hard thing to do. Like, you, because you want the laughs as well. You want the gross bits. You want kind of the, the punchlines. Yes. But to pivot between the two extremes, yeah. that's really impressive. Yeah. For me, the tensest scene in the movie wasn't anything inside the house. It was when the, the um, uh, Kylie and Amos, the probation officer, go to the neighbor's house yes. and are poking around. Literally. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> literally poking. Yeah. It's such a simple setup, yes. and, 
and you know, you know, the neighbor's gonna come back, or he's gonna wake up, he's gonna wake up. But then, how they just really, really edge that audience forward. They get out of the house. Okay, yeah. fine. And she's like, we gotta go back in. Mm. I saw something. Mm. And she ends up digging into his mouth to try and get the, 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 the dentures out. The, oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, and it happens again after Amos returns by himself with the little flash on yes. the camera. Yes. Amazing stuff. And I watch, I, I know what happens. I've seen this movie before, but I, my skin was crawling. Yeah. Like a, a real visceral physical reaction. It's, it goes through so many tropes, like you're saying, Sierra. Like, I've forgotten the Psycho reference yeah. until I watched it the other night. And I was like, oh my word, how yeah. many of these things? And then the doll, the, the little, which yes. I guess is a nice link to Negan, yes. but that little fluffy doll with the, with the tape in it. But it's so impressively written and that you don't know you're watching, uh, I, I guess ostensibly a murder mystery. And you, you, know, you don't even know that you should be looking out for who the murderer is. No, no. And he's introduced really early in the yeah. film. Yes. In fact, he's the first person outside of the family members that is introduced into the scene, into the story, um, and the probation officer. The psychiatrist. The psychiatrist. Cameron Rhodes, who's yeah. brilliant. And But you know, in, a, in the 11-year gap between watching it the first time and then the other night, I didn't remember the story at all. Mm. So I just thought, oh yeah, Cameron Rhodes, he's a good actor, uh, and just went on that ride. I didn't see any of it coming but it did remind me of scream you know how mm. scream often has yeah. the there was a crime there is someone related to somebody yeah. who and all that so i was mystified throughout the whole thing i didn't see it coming that it was him i was like oh yep it's the the dodgy neighbor oh it's the guy in the walls oh no it's you know and so on so and the the tidbits that they drop to kind of get the audience on board it's so well done because it's it's not it's not very, very much in your face. It's very subtle. Yeah. It's like brief glimpses of newspaper uh, cuttings. Or, yeah. Or the, um, oh gosh, the tape recorder that keeps coming back from the doll. And it's yeah, like, and that's so creepy, yeah. right? That is so... It's like, beat, beat, Eugene. Like, yeah. Oh my goodness. That's Sixth Sense. That's Sixth Sense kind of well, stuff, Well, that right? reminded me of the Sixth Sense. Yeah. That's yeah. right, which or I'd only... The Orphanage? The Orphanage is another one where well, they... definitely oh, in yeah. the Sixth Sense when Bruce Willis is... And I only rewatched it the other day, again, mm. after a long absence... And yeah, he's playing back the tape and he turns mm. it up as loud as it can go. And he's terrifying, hear, yeah. And hear the voices. So it's, I think, you know, there's no, and this is absolutely not a criticism because what film doesn't draw on others, but Housebound very cleverly takes little bits from seminal um, horrors and, and d yeah, does a beautiful job with that. And also uses those seminal bits, I think, to play with audience ex expectations. Like, yes. Jeremy, you bring up the shower scene, uh, the, the psycho homage. And I remember watching it the first time and just cracking up because it's immediately preceded by the killer doll. Yes. And she, you know, beats, literally beats the stuffing out of it. Yeah. And the, it cuts next morning. She's in the shower and you see the door open and you're like, oh my God, the doll's back. The doll's back. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's so funny. Like, because you know, what, you know, as a horror audience, you know what to expect. Yes. Um, but it's it's played complete, completely for laughs. Yeah. I mean, it's also funny on rewatch because you know that it's Eugene just trying to be friendly, yeah. which is so pathetic and so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a few moments where I do think you have to suspend disbelief because he kind of does try to attack her in that first interaction. Yeah. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay, what's the logical, what's the logical, what's the logic behind this mm -hmm. now that I know what the story sure. is? But there, there's enough, you know, ambiguity in there to kind of make up your own mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and just you're talking about that moment as well, Sarah, where she is freaking out and trying to keep quiet yes. in, the, in the wall cavity. And I think I've just it's occurred to me she is this bolshy, bold, confident, stroppy character. We've seen how bold she is at the start of the movie. Yes, blowing up a flipping ATM. Um, 
and just the way that she's nonchalantly kind of going through the court system. So when she's scared, it's 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 like okay, we yeah. we real, should be scared, should be scared because it takes a lot to scare her. Yeah, yeah, nice and point. Like even to the point where the door opens by itself. Yeah. Her response is to take the door yeah, off yeah, and yeah, carry which on. Which is amazing. <laughs> you know? it's, and, and isn't that adorable? And, and it did get me thinking because every time a door opens, instead of like, ah, she'll go, all right, I'll go in and I'll have a look. And I'm yeah. like, what are you doing? Yeah. I'd be out of there, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, when stuff really goes bad, like the first thing she does, she calls the cops immediately and gets everyone back to the house. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. All the things you usually are like, why are you calling the cops? Yeah. Yeah. Talking about that, so the, one of the tropes that they, they, I guess they need, is that Amos is a bit of a buffoon, right? Yeah. He's that yeah. buffoon cop character. I, mean, I know he's not a cop, but, you know, that's that trope. But he's so likeable. And he's very smart. He, and he adds so much to her yeah. story that's real. Yes. You know, he's like, you should really do these things to yeah. help this, this That's right. Medicine. Well, did it occur to you that maybe they, <laughs> they just want you to listen to them? So, you know, yeah, absolutely. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is Psychology 101 if you're dealing with ghosts. You know, <laughs> yeah. if you're haunted, find out what it needs from you. Which is, again, a sixth sense kind of idea yeah. as well you know these yeah. these dead people aren't actually trying to terrify you but they need your help you know which I, is beautiful i think with amos maybe it, it comes to one of my main criticisms of the movie which i i think his character is a little bit too convenient i, I think he feels very much like you know the manic picture dream guy like he has he has everything that the main character needs to self-actualize. Yeah, he, he provides her with the backstory. Mm. He just happens to be a paranormal investigator. Mm. But I, I don't super mind that if it drives everything forward. And yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But it just seems, oh, uh, again, watching it again, knowing that this isn't actually a paranormal story, it's like, oh, that was, yeah, very, very convenient. I think there, there is that moment where they bring up the haunting to him down in the basement and he instantly changes yes, into that paranormal yes, moment. Yes. And I agree with you, William, but I also agree with you, like it's not a huge issue for me because it does it keeps the film tight. It keeps it moving forward and it gives her one character to kind of express her desires, her feelings, her mm. goals. It's it's I I think well. it's entirely appropriate actually because this isn't a serious film. This film isn't pretending to be realistically horrific in the way that those Patrick Wilson films, what are those ones, um, Insidious and whatnot, yeah, are. Yeah. Do you know what I mean by mm -hmm. realistic, right? They're, that's all played very seriously, and I think it is appropriate. And, and if you think about Scream, you know, there's always someone who says, oh, well, did I mention that actually my mother was murdered by a serial killer and la la la, and you're like, well, it's not very real. You know, how many people have that <laughs> anecdote in their back pocket? But, you know, everybody's got a... So actually, I really, I think that's mm. part of the charm is okay. that this parole officer or whatever he is suddenly goes, well, actually, here's something <laughs> I know a little bit about. I also really like there's no romance. You know, there's yeah. no, there's no hint of, you know, he just finds her a little bit rude and a bit annoying. <laughs> um, so I love the fact that there's none of that kind of like, you know. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if he survives the film because of test audiences. Mm. Like, I wonder if they would do a test. I did think he was going to die. Yeah, because he does get kind of smacked in the head yeah. by yeah. the murderer. But we know he's alive because of that wonderful scene at the end with the camcorder and we see all the characters but alive. But also Eugene, the fact that she goes, Eugene, you see, Eugene gets like... Yeah, right yeah through the that's wall, right. Through the middle. There's that's no right. way he would have lived. And there's yeah. actually no way that poor old Graham. Um, Graham would have lived 
How do you have the oh shears? Gosh, yeah, his chest. That, that scene and also the description of him is what a cabbage in a um in a, a cardi- a, oh in no, a, in, a, in a beanie or no 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 what was it? It was like oh Graham, but he's he's just a a cabbage in a polar fleece. That's oh, that's right. right. <laughs> oh, and he's so sweet because he then has well, I don't talk very much, but you know, la li la la. It, it's adorable. Their relationship is is wonderfully yeah. paid off. Like, yeah. And it, you don't need any words. I mean, you know, he wants her to fix that, that, that thing that she broke. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, I'm going to be here for... Ten what, minutes. Ten, ten minutes. Yeah. And it's, it's frightening. Actually, but it's then very genius. That, that's just, that's enough time to get you to see their, you know, them starting to mellow for the relationship to start to be built. So that when she ends up stabbing him, it actually, there's sticks. It makes sense. And of course, that immediately becomes a horror comedy moment, which is just squirted in the face with squirts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. <laughs> but you see, realistically, that's so much blood, slash tomato sauce, yeah. slash paint or whatever. There's no way he would have lived. So the fact that they bring everybody back at the end yeah. is absolutely fine with me because the whole thing is ludicrous. Yeah. Um, and therefore, I don't mind. It's quite lovely as well, the, the, the beats that it takes for her character to change because... Mm. That sequence where she decides to help him with the whatever we're, the, the, lamp the uncle or whatever that gave us the thing yeah. um, is the scene where there's a scene where she's watching TV and she's like, oh, you know, the mother's desperate to watch Coronation That's Street. That's right, which is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, oh, please. It's the, only the desperation. two hours a week, yeah. Kylie. <laughs> So I'd really appreciate watching it down here, thank you. And, and please, she, she, she reaches for the remote and turns up the volume. I, no, because I thought in that split second, oh, thank heavens, she's going to relent and be nice. And she oh, that was but that's the first shift is when she goes and helps, um, what's his name? The father, yeah. the father-in-law? Graham. Graham. But then, of course, father, when she's... But it is so plausibly lovely that she's horrified that she's potentially killed him and she goes home and starts cleaning the house. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, of course, that has to happen because she's got to push the vacuum cleaner yeah. into the cupboard like we all do. Yeah. Hashtag mm-hmm. relatable. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, bust through the back, etc., etc., etc. And, and so then, of course, goes. the progression of that is when she starts to realise that it's Dennis, or whatever mm-hmm. his name is, and... She goes and gets the mum and she says, can you keep him occupied? Like, oh, that's that yes. moment where she, so funny. She's, she kind of values <laughs> her mum. Yeah. Yeah. Do what you do best. So <laughs> <laughs> you live near the such and such. Do you go there very often? Yeah. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want a 60-year-old's fist in your creme brulee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh. I saw a Taskmaster clip the other day from Australia Taskmaster mm-hmm. where the challenge was you have to call an older relative, like a parent, or, <laughs> and and the challenge is to get off the phone as fast as possible. No. And he rings his mum and he just and he can't get off the phone. <laughs> she keeps asking him, and how was the date you had the other night with that girl? You know, it's that kind of yeah, yeah, mum yeah. mumness that yeah. does drive you crazy. When I mean, I've lived with my parents. I love my parents. But yeah. Living with an extended period of time, there is an element of just like, right. I've got to get out of this house. <laughs> yeah. Which is just part of the. And I, I love how uh, the way Dennis ends up breaking free of that trap. It's like, Miriam, I need to go to the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the man's got to go. He's yeah. got to go. Can I just say, on that note, Jeremy, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but when I make a phone call, I feel like I'm the person with something to say. And I ring my mum, and she goes, Right, so, blah, 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 before I've even managed to say the purpose of my phone yeah, call. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> and then eventually I'll go, so anyway, I'm the one who made this. Oh, yes, she'll go, oh, yes, of course, sorry, what were you ringing to say? Yeah. Um, so, yes, I find that happens a lot. Guys, 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 we've got the DVD, maybe it's a Blu-ray, I don't, I don't trouble my pretty little head with the technicalities of Housebound. And um, in the deleted scenes, 
there are there are there are at least three very very nicely done deleted scenes two of them are kind of you know furthering the, the, the sullen relationship around the dinner table I don't think that that was a bad thing they were cut out but one of them I think should have been in there and Morgana right sorry Kylie takes the peanut butter to the uh she's in the kitchen and she opens the jar and she takes a bit out and then all of a sudden she's going and she pulls a hair out of her mouth and then she's grabbing some kitchen towel roll and trying to get it out of her mouth and then she looks in the jar and there's all this little stringy white sort of hair and it's a precursor to or a foreshadowing of Dear, and because she puts the, the she then does the jar up and puts it back in the larder, ah, and the back of the, the larder hole. obviously is where Eugene lives. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been wonderful foreshadowing when we then meet Eugene with all of his white wiry hair. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And plus, everyone has a visceral response to a hair in the peanut butter. <laughs> I would have thought they should have left that in. Maybe they cut it out because it does suggest something different to the hot... Maybe it, mm. it subverts whatever the genre is they're trying to express at the time. So it has to it has to be a horror story. We've got the hand coming, the yeah. kind of disheveled hand coming out. Because it's a ghost story. It's fully yeah, a ghost right, story that's until right. it's not. And then, yeah. it, and then maybe... Oh, it's, it's just I wonder if that would have yeah maybe off maybe it would have given it away too soon or something but anyway what a great scene because I was just I mean you know me <laughs> so I mean, um, it's an interesting thing eh? like I used to love watching all the cutout scenes and the makings of that you yes. get on a DVD or a Blu-ray yeah. and we don't really get those anymore you only no. get the featurettes on YouTube and that's right you might get the deleted scenes and some bloopers sort of three years down the line but mm-hmm. it's a different thing it's a different time isn't yeah. it yeah so I would like to make a very clever segue to pivot to our other film if I may <clears throat> those of us who are observant may have noted that the uh, New Zealand actor who played the policeman in uh, Housebound was indeed our, our local comedian Millen Baird and uh, Millen Baird was also um cast by his friend Gerard Johnston to play the policeman in Megan. Um, and so his role in Housebound was much more, and obviously he gets stabbed in the shower, or, you know, thrust in the shower. That wonderful that. Yeah. corkscrew. That's right, that's right. But then Megan, do you remember that there's a cop who turns yeah. up yeah. and sort of is very dry, and then does a little... I, I shouldn't really laugh. That's but... right, does a little <laughs> chuckle at one point, and then that's about his classic his line. Tore, his ear torn clean off. Yeah, I shouldn't really, does he say I shouldn't yeah, really laugh? I shouldn't really, really laugh. But... And that's Millen Baird, and I just wanted to say, let's talk Megan. I have to say that the the Megan is wonderfully directed. Gerard mm. Johnson has done a really good job, and I think tonally it does a, it, it just it balances those two things really well. I'm really fascinated by the fact that they filmed this film to be an R-rated movie, yeah. and they changed it to PG-13 in the, in the edit, yeah. which I guess has worked for them, because it's mm-hmm. made a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I saw it in a cinema full of teenagers, which was quite... Yeah. Initially, I was worried, but it was quite enjoyable mm. to watch a horror film with sort of young ones kind of Did screaming. Did they respond and, well? Yeah, oh, they were nice. squirk, squawking and, and screaming and things. Um, the script itself, and we can talk about this, is pretty straightforward it's not very surprising no. all the things you think are going to happen are going to happen but mm-hmm. it's i think it's really well put together mm. yeah i don't know how you feel about it but i had a good time with uh with the script itself yeah i i think it's it's fine um i had an okay time with megan i thought i would enjoy it a heck of a lot more and i think so much of that comes down to the fact that they neuter the heck out of this movie and i know there is an unrated cut coming out I hope that's a lot more fun. But what makes movies like Housebound work is that the violent punchlines are so in your face. Yeah, like true. Building stuff up and boom. Whereas Megan, 
You don't have that, and there isn't that payoff. Okay, sorry, that's not true. There's a little bit of that, where the kid gets hit by the car, and his ear comes off, and stuff like that. But Mm. to not show the kid... I mean, this is... It's just... Maybe I'm bloodthirsty. I, I don't know, but to, <laughs> to to not see the impact, to see his shoe flying and his indication of this is what happened, I think really cuts the movie off at the knees. Right. And it came off like all the kills were really unsatisfying. Mm. Um, well, it was and, very palatable. I would yeah, say the other yeah, side yeah. of that coin is it was very palatable. But, but yes, but, yes. But uh, I think for me that means that both the horror and the comedy aspects just don't work. Right. That they really don't work for me. Um, there's a scene where, and we'll talk to her, uh, about her later on, where the lovely Laurie Dungy mm. uh, is killed. In the garage. <laughs> my, my personal friend, Laurie Dungy, yeah. is killed in the garage. Yeah. Um, and it's like, come on, this should have been a highlight of the film. Sure. But it's not. No, that was schlocky. And yeah. it felt like, you notice how um, actually both films um, hark back to the Frighteners and Bad Taste yeah. and Brain Dead yes. and all that. And as you mentioned, sorry, harking back to Housebound, but yes, when the blood is coming out of poor old Graham, yeah. you know, it does, it looks like Peter Jackson-esque. Or, or, or the, the final head explosion. Right, yeah. exactly. So, and so, yes, M- Megan's deaths, uh, well, actually, I'm mainly thinking, I suppose, of the Laurie Dungy one, but yeah. Because there's the, also, um, Ronnie Chang gets, you know, stabbed through the back. Yeah. And you, you don't really see it, the blood's kind of in shadow. What? It's, but there's yeah. blood in the trailer. So um, ah. my friend, Stefan, who plays the, yes, the... the nerdy yeah. sidekick of, of, of the, the main big boss, yeah. um, he in the trailer, he's in the lift, and he gets covered in blood. Mm. Oh. And there's no blood in the movie over him. Mm. So they must have just okay. kind of CGI'd out all the blood. Wow. Yeah, okay. and, I think, and you don't see him die either. It happens no. off camera, but I think you probably would have seen him die too. Mm interesting okay so so it must have been a later decision to kind of again make more money make it more palatable mm. and it, like i said it worked like it made yeah. a lot of money in the states yes yeah. it's getting a sequel um younger people are able to watch it yeah which but, i think is an interesting the, the, the sequel choice. has to be called meg for n right <laughs> it has to be yeah it's true meg and <laughs> oh yeah with I, an, I think with an yeah. ad Oh, oh, with an at, Meg at. Or, or me, uh, I was thinking four, like, you know, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, Taken yeah. movies, like Taken, Taken oh, 2, yeah. Tech, uh, Tech 3N and T4 Ken. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. well, then the fifth one being Megan with the G as a five. <laughs> Is this what we're talking about? I, I, I don't really know. You're getting technological on me here. Yeah. I don't know. I really liked Megan. I, I, again, it was a four out of five stars for me. I, as you know, am not massive about all the, 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 the gruesomeness. Mm. Like, I did not watch Hereditary, therefore I did not have to watch Beep. Don't yeah. spoiler, but I think if you've seen it, you all know. But um, I, do you know my? And this is so unfair. My my main issue with Megan was the fact that, and it can't be helped. It's not a criticism at all. But the houses and the places, which were very well location scouted to be generic America, looked like Seattle. New Zealand. Right. And I guess if anywhere in America, you know, the suburbs of Seattle, I guess, maybe, you know, whatever, Pakuranga or somewhere like that. But I noticed things like the light switches were our way round in the uh, Americas. True. And the door handles and everything just looked and felt New Zealandish in the way that Housebound does. Oh my and gosh. look, it can't be helped at all. And, you know, the most of the world who are watching Megan and who are loving the film couldn't care less and won't notice. They think it's and that's Seattle. Fine. Right. We'll think that that's fine. But it's just funny, I think, when you are a, when you're in the, when you're from the country that the play, that the film was 
shot in and those familiar like the yeah. light is very different in New Zealand as well right so the light in a New Zealand movie the sunshine and whatnot feels quite different and I found that ever so slightly distracting and then I was thinking wow Alison Williams came down here to film some stuff you know and so on but anyway <laughs> that aside I liked Megan because I found it sinister more than scary and um I loved how Mary Elizabeth Olsen, uh, sorry, the doll. I mean, hello. I've, I've heard him interviewed about how he chose, he wanted the doll originally to be skinnier and have long, dark hair. Right. Which might have mm. been a bit Ringu, which would have mm. been Orcs. Um, it's weird to me that Megan is dressed in an old-fashioned kind of yeah, way. Yeah, but the costuming it, is so cool. It, it's like, but it's, it's weird so iconic. Because if you were mm. making, if you were in 2022 and you were making, well, actually, whenever in the near future this is yeah. potentially set and you're making a, a a doll that's going to hang out with young people, kids, mm -hmm. I don't know that you would make her look like some prim little Victorian child from the early mm. 1980s. But that's part of the horror, right? That's yeah. part of the well, it's part Victorian... Of, it. of course it is. Porcelain but, dolls. And, and it, it is. Yeah. It's part of the horror trope. But do you see what I mean? Alison Williams' character yeah. isn't making a horror doll. She's yeah. making an AI companion. So I didn't know why... It, well, I mean, I do know because we're watching a horror film. I get it. But do you know what I'm saying? Within the reality totally. of the film, yeah. this girl would have been dressed differently. I don't, I don't mind it because they did a wonderful rip-off of the Furby with that yeah. terrifying the little doll, the, the teeth. teeth. Yes, yes. Because like, the Furbies are terrifying. Yes. They, that teeth. They made it worse. And so it's just, it kind of was a progression of that. It's like, yeah. this is a toy that is terrifying. Of course. Um, I have to say that for a movie that's named Megan, the doll has to be good. Yes. And if that doll wasn't good, yeah. the whole film would have and not And I think worked. she was marvellous. I think she yeah. was brilliant as well. And all the stuff around Megan as well, like um, apparently a lot of the, a lot of it was puppeteering as well. Yes. And it looks amazing. Yes. Like I couldn't believe how much they got out of this for such a small budget. Yeah, yes. true. Yeah. And and maybe that's where Gerard Johnstone's kind of chops come in mm. because he's been able to economically make a film. Right. Which again, harking back to Peter Jackson, that's what he was known to do. Yes. Right. And I think even with Lord of the Rings, whilst they were hugely expensive for what they got out of them, they yeah. did a lot of clever stuff to really get as much out of that budget as yep. possible. Yeah. Um I think with was it Brain Dead where they actually came in under budget so he could film the set, there's a sequence in that film which is Peter Jackson's favorite sequence which was filmed on the extra money because mm -hmm. it became under budget right but I do think with Megan it, it feels like this is a that they've got as much out of this as they yeah. possibly could and the brilliantness of Megan being creepy to, compared with Chucky and I have to admit I haven't watched Child's Play in decades and decades and I have no great urge to um, but the brilliance of her is that piercing deadpan obviously because she's a doll face kind of almost going oh what's Alison Williams character's name Gemma yeah. um okay Gemma kind of like yep whatever you want yeah. in a voice and almost a face that goes uh, I'm gonna be doing it my way which is really sinister and the fact you know turn off Megan switch off and she's like I don't think so Gemma yeah. that's not happening anymore and you know that just becomes so creepy and scary yeah. Um, yeah. Can I go back a little bit to what you were saying with the Auckland um, yeah. uh, features, mm. uh, Sarah? Uh, that is my first note, which is Auckland. Yeah. Um, it, it was distracting, but in a really good way. And it's like, oh, there's uh, Auckland Hospital. Mm. Oh, the, the main toy company is AUT City Campus. Yes, it is. It's AUT. <laughs> Did you know that? That's no, so I found funny. that afterwards. My my flatmates, um, their church has hosted there. So oh, they just right. the whole time they were like, 
It's church. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I guess to link back to again to Peter Jackson, Frighteners feels very Wellington. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And yet Michael J. Fox is in that, isn't he? Yeah. So he was the American talent mm-hmm. brought in to yeah. make it Amer- Yeah. Um, so that was heaps of fun. And, and like, again, there's a bridge that they drive over, which is supposedly in Seattle, and you recognize the patterns, and like, that's just Grafton Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is nice for us, yeah. isn't it? And, and it isn't going to ruin it for anyone I else. mean, it's it's such a, a novelty. I think back to, to movies like Guns of Kimbo. That's yeah. why I was thinking uh, I was thinking that too. <laughs> and so also, he's all around Queen Street. Yeah. 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 Running around with, Queen Street. With skyscrapers in the background. <laughs> yeah, like, that's or, right. Or, um, yeah. I, I don't watch a lot of it, but what I saw was like, ooh, there's the thing, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah, Where right. it's like, oh my gosh, that is Kingsland Station. Yes. Except they just CGI'd a sci-fi sign in the background. That's right. Um, so I, I love that. I, I wonder if you actually lived in a place like Toronto or LA where they film all sorts of movies yeah. do you get that feeling all the time that'd be pretty cool except that I mean maybe Toronto but with LA right LA is unashamed at saying this is where we've said it and this yeah. it's not trying to be somewhere else yeah. you know whereas Toronto is actually is used a lot isn't it as other yeah. places I mean this thing like I went to the Bradbury building last year in mm. LA and that's used in Blade Runner and lots yeah. of different films I mean people know what that that is yeah and I think that's part of Living there, because even if it is where they say it is, you know, you'll often know that the geography is all backwards and, yes. it's yeah. and things yes. are edited in ways. And it's like going to Hobbiton, it's like, I've been to Hobbiton a couple of times, and it's like, oh, they used every bit of that that real yeah. set. Yeah. Gandalf's journey makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah, that's look right. Look at the, what the Hobbiton is set up like. Yeah. Um, so I imagine it's, it's all of that. Something that I watched recently, sorry, um, and I think it was set in London, I can't remember what it was. But I do remember that the protagonist is either driving or riding something or running or something or on a bus and the route makes absolutely no sense whatsoever when you know that that's not the route. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah, we just have to go past some iconic sort of sites. Yeah. There's no way you'd get there in that time. And yeah. Well, so they on. actually make a joke about that in Paddington 2, if oh, you yeah. guys remember that movie, mm. where um, uh, What's-His-Face from Little Britain is their cabbie. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. David Williams? Uh, 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 no, the Matt other Lucas, one. Matt Lucas. Lucas. And he, he takes them past all the sites. That's and the family's right. really annoying. It's like, why did you have to do that? I'll fear. It's like, I just wanted to show him the city. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute. I think that the, the point about recognizing Auckland or New Zealand in, a, in a, um, an American story yeah. is something I want to talk about, which is, you know, if you think about Housebound, that film came out as we now, as we've, yeah, 2014, there were four New Zealand movies that came out that year of really high caliber. So there was um, What We Do in the Shadows by Taika Waititi. Mm. There was The Deadlands by mm. Tom Fraser, mm. which is fantastic. There's um, The the Dark Horse, yeah. the chess one. Wait, that came out in 2014? Yeah, cool. really brilliant, strong film. Yeah. And of course, Housebound. Four great movies. Housebound was my favorite, but I love all of those. And I think, okay, we had Hunt for the World of People in 2016. We've had a few films that have kind of gone under the radar. But I'm questioning, where is the New Zealand, New Zealand, yeah. the New Zealand stories? And mm. so we've had these international productions. I don't know how much New Zealand Film Commission money is, is being tied up in these things with Guns Akimbo and Cowboy Bebop. And it's mm. great for the industry because it's, it's working. Yeah. But I'm, I haven't seen a New Zealand story to the same scale in a not, long time. Not to the same scale, maybe, but last year, Millie Lies Low was a, a pretty small indie film, adorable and fantastic, with Anna Scotney. But anyway, Anna Scotney is a fab- fabulous uh, New Zealand actress. So she plays Millie, 
who gets a scholarship to go abroad and then has a freak out on the plane and doesn't go. Um, but then all her friends are like, how's New York? And so she fakes that she's in New York. Uh, cool. She she sort of holds up somewhere in, I think, Wellington. And, uh, and then she has to make up Instagram posts like she's in the Big Apple having a good time. That's a terrific film. Right. And it's a very much set in Wellington film mm. because she doesn't make it to... Uh, um, oh, is it Wellington or Auckland? Whatever, but because she doesn't make it to NYC, mm-hmm. but um, it's almost like a commentary on exactly what we're yeah, talking right, about, right? But it's not a big, <laughs> but it's not a large scale movie. Or the film yeah. that came out last year about the um, Tuhoi raid. Uh, what's yes. it called? Um, it's yes, got a, it's got a one word title. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Which I haven't seen, and I really yeah. want to see. I just didn't get around to seeing it. Yep. But you know what I'm saying, though. There's yeah. there are a couple. Yeah. But I, I I don't know any thoughts about New Zealand stories. Yeah, I, it just seemed like um, a lot of New Zealand creators are now working um, in international contexts, right? Um, all our creators are, are heading over, being bought by, well, bought, but like being paid by Netflix, uh, Disney, Marvel. There's a lot of talent out there. They're just not mm. making New Zealand stuff. They're working on TV a lot. Yeah, like even Gerard Johnstone and Tor Fraser, and mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're out there. And yeah. you've got things like Nude Tuesday, which is a you know a pretty small fry, vaguely funny kind of um, local local film. True, there's a lot of online yeah. streaming content. There's yep. quite a few mini mini series. That yeah. dreadful one about series. there was a dreadful one about sex. Uh, where a guy basically oh, makes one a text film. about sex. Is um, it? <laughs> no, but they're, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that one film about yeah. sex. I, I, I'm thinking of like New Zealand films that have actually made a cultural impact in, for right. example, Hollywood. And maybe it's just David Farrier's stuff. Oh, is that it? Good, right. Good. 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 Because, because, um, I mean, yeah, both both his recent movies have like really hit the headlines in a big way. And one uh, was a New Zealand story, and one was an American story. Right. Um, and as we know, because we've talked about it, he would he regrets making the New Zealand story to some extent because it ruined Mr. Organ, you know, mm-hmm. was, was devastating yeah. for him. But once you're in, you're in, you know, so he kind of um, kept going mm. and produced that film. And that was definitely a New Zealand story, although it did have obviously a universal application because it's yeah. about a type of person. Mm. Um, it's just interesting. I, I want to know what's going on at the New Zealand Film Commission because mm. has there been a policy shift? Has there been a strategy shift? Mm. Um, or are they just doing what they've always done and the and the landscape is so flooded with content we're just not noticing it. Did they end up giving up all their money to Amazon? <laughs> or, or maybe they, maybe they got their funding cut because yeah. I know there's a huge creative New Zealand funding cut that's happening for a lot mm. of my friends working in the arts at the moment. But it's a different time to around the late 90s or the 90s and early 2000s when we had a lot of really great content and then there was sort of this burst again in the yeah. 2010s. Yeah. Um, I, I was talking to someone yesterday who's, who's um, got family that works in the, in the film industry. Five years, it was like a five-year drought of work um, wow. kind of leading up to the pandemic. Mm. Um, so I don't know, it's just interesting to me that we've got this really strong New Zealand film housebound and a year of a whole range of, New- of strong films. Yeah. And I just haven't seen it kind of since. Hmm. Um, in terms of um, comparisons, can I just note a couple of things? <laughs> Jump in. Um, because I, I appreciate Gerard Johnston didn't write Megan, but mm-hmm. as we know, he uh, was allowed to have quite a lot of creative input into it, uh, which is marvellous. So it wasn't like he was just a director for hire. So, But anyway, script-wise, I think it's interesting, both films are about a troubled young woman who is sent to live with their mother or their aunt, mm. but sort of regretfully or regrettably. Can I just say that yes. the way that that the poor girl loses her parents is such a cliche. <laughs> oh, I, oh I, yeah. I love that scene. I, I don't know about you guys, but 
the the dialogue and I I don't it mean was to quiet. Keep, I don't mean to keep harping on Megan because I think it's fine for what it is. Uh, but the the intro, I love that intro where they're driving in the snow and and the talk. Yeah, you know, her parents talk about like uh, snow chains. Like, well, I don't need. I don't think we needed snow chains. It was such a natural conversation yeah. between two adults with the child in the background going like, ah, I want my app. Um, and then for the rest of it, you never hit that kind of rhythm again. Like, mm. Alison Williams, I-, I like her and stuff. I thought she was not good. Like, a very, very uh, plain a stereotype, a, a, a trope of sorts. Yeah. And never having anything to do with it. I don't, th- I, I mean, I agree because with you. I think off she's so, fine. so good. Yeah, and that's two New Zealand actors just oh. almost improvising mm-hmm. a scene. I mean, it won't be improvised entirely because they had to talk about screen time, but yeah, improvising what it would be like to be parents. Mm-hmm. I think Alison Williams is absolutely fine. I think she was fine in Get Out, but she always seems to get the character that doesn't have a lot of character to do. Mm-hmm. And to my mind, I, I, I liked her in Megan because she sort of secured, because she's quite straightforward, to my mind, she sort of secured this film so that you could suspend your disbelief into an AI character or the crazy okay. Canadian neighbour or whatever it might be because she was playing okay. it straight. I didn't mind that, but I agree with you. I don't think she... You know, I hope she's not listening. I don't think she contributes anything special, but I think she's not really written to. Okay. Because then you've got That's the fair. hyperbolic boss. Yeah. You know, R- Ronna Chang's from, like, another movie. I didn't enjoy him in this. I thought he wasn't funny enough to be the obnoxious guy that he was trying to be. I know a lot of people like him. What kind of company has a guy who's like, you know, get me the prototype by next Monday. It's like, wait, what is this? Yeah, (laughs) he was was definitely hyperbolic. I do like the two... the two the, co-workers that she oh, has. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're quite a lovely yes, little side yes, character. Yes, yes, yes. I think the, the strongest actors in the, in the whole movie are the two girls, right? Yes. The, the girls who play uh, Katie and Megan. Mm. Yes. Uh, they're fantastic. Mm. They're really, really good. I, I quite liked Alison Williams, but I'm, I am I quite like her because I watch all of Girls, and she's mm. huge, and she's one of the four girls in Girls. Yeah, so doesn't she one of the least hyperbolic characters in that? Because the mm. other three are much more of a personality, and she's quite normal. Which I guess is part of the joy of her character. Yes. And you see her get into situations where she sort of thinks she's above it all and she's one of the messiest characters mm. in the show. Right. So, I don't know, I've always really enjoyed yeah, yeah. that style. And then when you watch Get Out and she's kind of this plain Jane character, but of course she's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. And so for this one, I, I don't know, I, I just okay. sort of enjoyed... I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, but I just enjoyed... I think probably what you're saying, Sarah, was that she was the level-headed person throughout this... it's it's a strange thing maybe this is parochial of me or anti-parochial or whatever I feel in safe hands when you've got a proper American (laughs) actor in the main role rather than all the and actually all of the Kiwi characters did such a good sorry the Kiwi actors did such a terrific job of being American Mm -hmm. and you know we might look and go haha there's a local person off our telly but actually you'd never know no you would never know and Laurie Dungy obviously is I believe Canadian Canadian, so therefore you know fine Uh, I'll just jump in here very quickly about Laurie so um, again I, I, she's a friend of mine. Uh, we work together heaps for high school theatre sports, and it is just a bizarre experience to be in Taipei during Christmas. <laughs> um, to be in like the most popular city square on the biggest screen and see Laurie's face like on the screen. Did you take a picture and send it? Oh to no, her? no, I missed it. I was oh. trying to. 
and just like, oh my gosh, she made it. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. That is that's so crazy. cool. I've had an experience where I've seen a friend on screen that I didn't know was in the film and mm-hmm. but be really confused. I didn't recognize him initially. It's like that's who is that? I know that person. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. it's my friend. But your friend life. Stefan is is throughout. Yeah, Megan. yeah. You know, that's a very significant role. Um, playing <laughs> the assistant who's like, is he trying to sell the IP? Yeah, or he's trying he's, to uh, do espionage. something a bit dodgy. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's sort of set up as a potential plot point. It's yeah. a red herring, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A sequel maybe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I loved how both films, can I just say, I like how both films um, touch very um, genuinely, realistically. Uh, there's the attachment theory conversation yeah. in Megan, and there's the cognitive bias and the other psychology talk in Housebound, and I really respect films that have... I'm serious. No, I'm not have, laughing at you. I'm laughing at the... proper psychology in them. That I wonderful love that. scene where Dennis brings it up, and isn't she like, oh, fuck off, um, Dennis, and what do you know? Just <laughs> yeah, your yeah, whole... Yeah. <laughs> Kylie's demeanor against Dennis and is so great, especially when you know he's the murderer. It's like, yeah, you exactly. go, you go, Kylie. <laughs> yeah, I like the strong female leads as well. Both films are a, a girl and a mom, or a girl and an aunt, and they're mm-hmm. all tough characters. Yeah, and the men are supplementary, but mm-hmm. you know, I really like that as well. The the whole um, thing with the attachment theory, like that, yeah. that whole scene where. Um, you know, the, the board are sitting around and seeing Katie interact with Megan and yeah. then it's repeated where the psychiatrist is, is sitting in on it and um, it culminates in Megan, not Megan, sorry, Katie slapping Gemma. Yeah. Uh, I thought those were probably the highlights of the movie for Amazing. me. Amazing. Like, really, really good stuff and kind of gets the crux of what the movie is trying to say about technology, right? Yeah. Like, you, you talk to parents about how a screen is a godsend. Yeah. About how... A babysitter. Yeah. And you see it, right, in, in small children. Like, they're bouncing, like, literally oh. bouncing off the walls. But you give them this this black mirror, this this oblong yeah. of, of obsidian. Yeah. Um, and something in them clicks. Ooh. And it's, it's yeah. hypnotic. Yeah. Um, and I think some of what the movie is trying to say about that is is really, really on point. Yes. It doesn't I don't think it goes far enough, but that scene at least where Katie realizes that she's wrong and that her aunt does care about her. It's yeah. like, oh bravo, that's that's really cool to have that in the middle of a horror movie. Yeah. Thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context. If you enjoyed our podcast, consider signing up to our Patreon. Cinema in Context patrons receive access to exclusive minisodes, opportunities for one-on-one discussions about films you love, and our extended episode catalogue, including extended content of this episode you're listening to right now. What did we talk about, team? We talked about a third films to pair with it, mm-hmm. our favourite moment from one of the films, things that we would change, and keep an eye out for our Oscar minisode talking about the upcoming 2013, no, 2023. Academy Where am I? Awards. Academy Awards. The 95th Oscar. 95th. Excellent. So find us on patreon.com forward slash cinema in context. You can listen to Cinema in Context on SoundCloud, Spotify, Radio Public, Stitcher, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, which are great places to let us know what you think of this episode, as well as give us suggestions for future films to discuss and compare. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, no more am I.